Hi, and welcome back to the Courageous Mama podcast. I love and I'm so grateful for that rousing entry music by Jazz Katassi, a future film score artist. Well, I wonder how you're all doing in this lockdown. We're all home now, that's seven of us. We've got our eldest, a Spanish teacher, who's teaching classes from one room. Our dance student is tapping dents into our wooden deck, which is better than the kitchen floor, I suppose. And another is writing an animation. Then there's the A-level student keeping up his school day. And nothing much has changed for the 11-year-old because he's home educated anyway. And that's what I'm going to chat about today. I saw a poll of parents who were asked, how are you finding home ed? They were only given two options, impossible or easy. But interestingly, 84% said they're finding it impossible and 16% said they're finding it easy. What a huge change it is for parents to suddenly home educate. Each of our children have done some of their primary or senior years at home, so I understand the challenges, not just from my own experience, but from the many families I've had the privilege of meeting along the way. And that'll make a very interesting podcast one day. But for today, I just want to look at some ways that we can boost ourselves as we suddenly all become home educators. First of all, I want to share with you one of the most powerful tools that I gleaned along the way. And that is to affirm the process over the outcome. If children are constantly affirmed for what they achieve, they'll become orientated towards validation and scores and grades. They will attach their success in life to their attainment. That's a very worldly view, isn't it? And it's one that if if you really think about it, you probably resist in your heart of hearts. The fact that a person is as good as their outcomes, as good as their grades, as good as the money that they've made or the fame that they've acquired. It's not what we really think. And if they attach success to attainment, they attach their self-worth to their results. And that can be dangerous for their emotional and mental health. Affirming the process and the efforts and the strategies and the perseverance above their outcomes is called the growth mindset. You might have heard of that expression. It comes from Professor Carol Dweck, who studies and speaks on the topic. In her studies of student performance of inner city schools in New York that switched to a growth learning approach, she leaves no room for doubt that children fare better academically and emotionally when they're taught with a growth learning approach. That is, when effort and perseverance are praised above the outcomes. If in this season your child doesn't learn everything that's set, but that your narrative changes to encourage their hard work, their resilience, and their perseverance, even in the smallest of things over the tiniest of timescales, you'll see a change in them. And the effect of that will last longer than the lockdown. It will last a lifetime. In their formative years, they're learning that their value is not connected to their outcome. They are not their work. That doesn't mean to say that outcomes don't matter. It's just a case of what's more important. And in fact, in the end... Praising the input raises the output. I put this to the test a while ago when a mum shared with me that her son was getting really frustrated with his test results. She agreed for a while to focus completely on his effort and his perseverance and not comment on his outcomes. And she admitted that that was a bit of a change of narrative for her. 
But what happened was that not only did his scores actually improve, but his whole language of shame, negativity and defeat completely disappeared. In summary, rather than looking at their scores or actually their outcomes in any area of their lives, make noises about their effort, the strategies that they've used, the focus that they've applied, the perseverance, the endurance and the process. That means moving away from expressions like well done or you're so clever or what a great result there, you nailed it and moving towards you really worked hard at that. I could see you concentrating so well or that was a tough challenge. How did you get past it? Whether that's a physics pass paper or a drawing that they've done. Like all changes, it'll take time for it to become your natural response, but it will enable them to detach their self-worth from their results. Fear of failure will be out the window because they'll be overcomers and they won't spend the rest of their lives chasing down significance because they'll have their own confidence in themselves that isn't attached to everything that they do. So now let's look at how to encourage, empower and equip ourselves on this whole new home ed journey. And then we're going to chat to three mums to see how their first week has gone. Well, firstly, encouragement. It's a journey. Most parents who home educate find that before they can teach from home, there's a bit of unschooling to do. It doesn't mean that school's not a good thing. Far from it. But learning at home can't fully emulate learning at school. So finding your own rhythm and balance has great value because unless you're superwoman, something has to give. In my early home ed years, I decided that I just wouldn't have time for everything. So I worked out what I could let go instead of just watching myself unravel. So as well as a few other things, I let go matching socks. Big family, lots of socks. So that bought me some time. And I do remember one day my daughter, who was about eight at the time, pulling out two matching socks by chance one day. Oh, twins, she said. But I do understand it's challenging to let things go, particularly if you function well when things are tidy. But prioritising will ease the tension. And if we're less tense, everyone is. Secondly, change and transition are two different things. Change can happen very suddenly. Transition is the adapting part. Change is often external. It's what's happened to alter your circumstances, perhaps against your wishes, such as this. Transition, on the other hand, is the internal process that happens in our minds as we accept the change and make some adjustments over time. Our lives have just changed overnight. Our minds and our habits will take longer. We won't get it all right and down pat in the first week, or possibly at all. But we will get better. Better at achieving what we've set out to do in response to the change. We will learn and grow in the process. And the third way to encourage ourselves is not to compare. Comparison is the thief of joy. Everyone is different. And it's not helpful to use other people's progress or state of mind as a benchmark for ourselves. So it's wise just to stay in your lane. That means running your race and not measuring yourself against others. And I don't say that lightly. I know that one of the big concerns out there is whether our children will fall behind. My research among parents this week is that different schools are giving very different amounts of work. 
I've chatted to a few teachers and the general consensus is that when life resumes some normality, they expect to allow a period for students to catch up. So be encouraged. This is not school at home, it's home with learning. So it will be unique to your home. And so on to empowerment. How do we empower ourselves? Firstly, we can do that by setting the benchmark low and then raising it if we want to, rather than the other way around. It's more empowering to succeed at a little than to fail at lots. Some of you are parenting alone. Some of you are parenting in a flat and you don't have garden space. Some of you will have children with challenging needs. I can relate to that and I'll talk to you a little bit about that in a minute. And some of you are looking after toddlers or babies and trying to home educate a school child or two. Some are working from home and trying to keep up with all the housework and now adding home ed into the mix. Well, hand on heart, I can relate to all of those scenarios. It's a big deal. And learning at home is like building a new muscle. It takes time. So start with the low weights and build up. Keep those times that you study with them much shorter than they'd expect. If you're struggling, honestly, five or ten minutes of a subject is a really good start. If it's all you manage in a day, but you also manage to hang out with them a bit, that's just fine. They're far more likely to come back to it if their experience was better or shorter than they'd expected. And the lessons that they're learning are not just about the academic growth. They're far broader. They're learning how to learn in a whole new way, in a whole new environment, with a whole new mindset. Second thing about empowering is I think we feel empowered when we set our own expectations, when we own them, when they belong to us. When you look back in 50 years, when your grandchildren have got the lockdown of 2020 on their curriculum, what will you value? Will you value how the relationships were at that time or how much English they did? In the long run, keeping your relationships intact will serve you better. And as you may know, the goal of this podcast is keeping our connection in place, no matter what storms come into the house. What do you want to come out of this season with? Full workbooks or partly filled workbooks and good connection with your child? Well, that comes into play when we're responding to their frustrations about being at home and particularly working from home or not wanting to work from home. And their greatest need is not actually to be agreed with, it's to be understood. So often when we're in difficult conversations with our children, we look for outcomes. We list some solutions, we tell them what they need to do with their time and with their approach. But actually a better goal is to understand them. It's more time consuming, but it takes the pressure off and it has an achievable outcome. A child who feels understood and even empathised with will be calmer and easier to talk to. So avoiding expressions like, it's just got to be done, it's the way it is, and getting into their groove instead and saying things like, this is tough, it sounds like you're missing your friends, you find it easier being taught by your teacher than me, I hear that. These are all really valid concerns, but they'll be far more ready to hear you once you've heard them. And my last point on empowerment is now that you've set your goals, having a goal for the day or the week or the lockdown will give them purpose. And purpose will feel significant to them 
in this time at home. They're so creative, they might have their own ideas about setting goals, but others might need a nudge or a frame of reference for it. But most of them will have an opinion on what they'd like to aim for. Among my kids, I had two with dyslexia and one on the autistic spectrum, or with what they now call ASD. And they all managed to get to the places of further education that they wanted to go in the end. But at the age of four, the one with ASD was trying to tell me, without being rebellious but in every way that he could, that he just wasn't coping with learning to read at that stage. Now bear in mind this was a time when not that many people were home educating, so I probably felt an invisible pressure to make sure that my children were age-appropriate in their education at any time. Yet here I was challenged to have the courage of my convictions. So I sat down with him and I asked him what he felt that he was able to do and expect of himself, knowing that we had a structured home ed day for him to work in. He told me that he wanted to make electrical gadgets. I went to Maplin and I bought wire and connections and light bulbs and buzzers and I put them all in front of him. I put the reader books away and he taught himself electric circuits. And whilst I still read to him, I put off teaching him to read until he was seven. And I really had to hold my nerve. But here's the upshot. He's a prolific writer. And on another occasion, I'll share some stories with you about my embarrassing moments when he went everywhere with a homemade miner's lamp stuck to his forehead. So let them set some goals for themselves that they can achieve and they'll get a great sense of personal achievement when they reach what they've set out for themselves. It will make them feel empowered. And in terms of equipping, rather than listing things on the podcast, I've put some ideas in the show notes. I'm sure you've got loads of your own, but if you're just looking for a little bit of extra inspiration, there are some there for you. And for those of you who are just feeling completely overwhelmed by the whole thing, Be encouraged. If all you do every day is read to your child, you'll be amazed at what they'll come out with at the end of all of this. And even if reading out loud isn't something that appeals to you, there are free audiobooks you can access, and I'll put those in the show notes too. And now I want to introduce you to three different mums with three very different age ranges of children. And I've asked them, how did your first week go as a home educator? And I'm going to ask you for a little bit of grace because I can't actually be physically present with them. And so some of the audio doesn't have the clarity it would have if they were sitting with me. So, Karis, tell me how it's going in your house. It's a mixed bag, I would say. Um, initially, yeah, I think it was quite a novelty and we had lots of fun and I was really enjoying being with the children and seeing them from kind of a different, seeing you know their different personalities come out and mm. exploring learning together and enjoying that. Um, but that was day one. We've hit day four, are we on now? And I think the reality is <laughs> beginning to hit a bit. Yes. <laughs> Um, they're beginning to get a bit fractious with each other and I'm beginning to get a bit fractious with them. And Yeah, so things felt like they were unravelling slightly today, but <laughs> well, we've only got three months left, haven't we? <laughs> or maybe more. <laughs> anyway, yeah, sorry, Mad. They're no, great. So just talk me through the ages of your children first. Yeah, so I have got, um, my eldest is seven, she's in year two. Then I've got, my next one is four and he's in reception. And then I've got a two-year-old and a a nine-month-old. So it's fair to say that you are straddling a more important school year 
<laughs> juggling a baby and just about everything in between. Yeah. <laughs> and what structure have you decided to go with for that? Yeah, so I, I decided the only way that I was going to survive this was um, to have a structure of the day, like a, quite a good rhythm and routine that everybody could follow. So we uh, we get up and have breakfast and then we have a little bit of, of family time together. So um, just a, a prayer or a, a worship song together. Uh, and then we will do um, PE because I'm sure a lot of people have tuned into the Jay Wicks who's doing this whole big yeah. YouTube live PE, which is um, is super fun. And then we do math and then a bit of playtime and lunch. And then the afternoon is a bit more fluid. So we kind of try and get out for our one bit of exercise or kind of a bit of a walk or something. And then we do family jobs together then tea and then bath and bed. Uh, and that breaks down then into what, what everybody does what the baby does, what the toddler does at different points. Um, it will be different to what the other ones are doing. So, and are you finding yeah. are you finding it realistic trying to do maths with a year two child at the same time as yeah. a toddler being around? <laughs> I uh, I've realised that I I have to be pretty planned and or, and so I'm doing lots of looking on Pinterest for different ideas of how I can entertain Amy. That's my two year old. Um, kind of, so I've been doing, so she does Play-Doh, I try and get her to do a bit of Play-Doh while I input into, say, Ben, he's the four-year-old, with his bit of maths, well, Bethany, she's my seven-year-old, is on, so the iPad doing a kind of um, a maths game or something, mm -hmm. so I'm actually, they're all slightly more entertained whilst I'm inputting into one, and then he will then be set off in, onto his task while I then input into the seven-year-old if that makes sense and then she can be set off on her task while I give a bit of time to Amy so that was how it's supposed to go and on a good it, it <laughs> might work for kind of the first five minutes so that it it can unravel slightly when Amy gets bored very quickly of her task and wants to come and join on the iPad or whatever so um but <laughs> no, yeah <laughs> you're a school teacher aren't you or you were you're not working at the moment I am is this harder or easier than teaching in school? I think it's actually harder. I mean, I, I, mean, I do have the benefit of a backlog of things to draw on. I think that has its good points and, and bad points at times. But I think it's just a, you never at school have to teach this variety of ages and stages. So I do mm. think that is, that's quite a challenge, actually. And also have a TA at school and all the resources are there and... You know. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And we can leave the, you know, you can leave the classroom, whereas it feels hard being stuck in the house. Um, yeah. And yeah. presumably, yeah. educationally, it feels more important for your eldest than yeah. for the younger ones. How long are yeah. you expecting her to work for, in order to sort yeah. of tick that box? That's it's a great question. Um, I think yeah, educationally, that does feel the most important. Um, and the reason I'm doing all that I'm doing is they just don't get bored. I think um, mm. having a structured activities for them actually helps me survive and then survive. Yeah. But for her, if we could have like worked for two hours in the morning, not, and that is not her being on task for two hours at all by any stretch of the imagination, mm. but if we can just have focused kind of school time in the morning mm. for, for two hours-ish, um, and that includes playtime and PE and all the things that I talked about. Then I, I tend to be a bit more relaxed in the afternoon and we can be, have a bit more fun then. So so my thinking is, yeah, if she can do a math activity and a literacy activity, I'm pretty okay with that. I mean, whether that's right or not, I don't know. But <laughs> And does she resist it at all? No, she actually 
really is enjoying it and loving it. So um, it's my four-year-old, so my reception mm. child finds it very difficult. So the school have sent through all this work that we're supposed to be doing. Um, and for him, it's just, I, I think the amount that's there, I think they're trying to cater for you know, giving us enough. But I think that then the pressure of, oh, do we need to do all of this? Or, you know, he's falling apart because he doesn't want to write anything and they're saying he has to write a whole five sentences. And <laughs> and, and so then I'm realising, actually, do you know what my, my mother intuition is? He's four years old and mm. he's much more practical than, you know, wanting to, wanting to write mm. or wanting to read. So as long as we've read maybe a few of his words or we've done a little bit and then he plays or does something more practical... Um, then, yeah, then I'm okay with with him not doing everything that they've sent through. I think. And they find um, it harder, don't they, to sit down for long periods of time when they're that age? Yeah, they really do. So yeah, so we've done some kind of we did some car park maths today, where you know he uses cars and did some adding oh, with brilliant. them. That was good, and then some using it on um, the mega blocks and kind of words on the mega blocks and then he had to put the rhyming words together and so more practical stuff is much more his which is reception anyway isn't it but Mm. um but also his way of learning so yeah so he's quite kinesthetic yeah 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 definitely and in terms of being concerned about where they're at when they go back is that an issue for you or is your higher value just trying to get some kind of structure in the day and keeping up the learning momentum I'm not too concerned about where they're going to be when they get back because, well, A, we just don't know how long this is going to go on for. And I just think, actually, the emotional well-being of the whole family is probably of a higher priority than than them being academically at a certain level when they get back. And, And I know, you know, that even if they've dropped behind, which potentially most of the nation will not be where they would be if they were all at school. Yeah. But, um, you know, there's time to catch up. I'm, I'm assuming that teachers and head teachers will be aware of that as well. So, mm, yeah. Because um, I know that some parents, you know, they're trying to hold down a job and school their children from home. And I just think that's so hard. So I yeah. do have the blessing of, of of the time to do it. So, Brilliant. Thank you. It sounds like you've got such a great balance in there. That was great to chat to Karis. I really appreciated her insights and just the structure that she's put into her day and also her honesty about when it all falls apart. Hi, Louise. How's Hi. it going, your end? Well, um, actually, it's going better than expected, I think. I, I'm amazed at how the children are doing. I've got two boys, one who's nine and one who's ten, and they, they, they're not phased at all. I can't believe it. <laughs> Um, my husband's been ill, and, and so he's uh, he's got the virus, and he's been locked up in in our bedroom. So I think it's it's unsettling. It's a big change, but we're doing okay. Mm. Yeah. So tell me, how are you doing with educating at home? Um, well, actually, again, we're doing okay. It's an odd situation to be in because it's not that we planned for it. We didn't kind of decide to do it and then all prepare for it. Mm. And I think that's what makes things a little bit difficult. But what I've found helpful is having a routine. So on the weekend, they sat with me and we made a plan together. Mm. And my older son wanted to make a timetable and he sat at the computer and he typed it all out and he wanted to. Oh, sweet. And I said, you know, it can be nice and flexible. It doesn't matter. And he said, no, I want it. 
Oh. He literally did the whole day. I think he felt better with that. And my younger son was happy to go with the flow, but he was going to get sent a lot more stuff from his school there at different schools. Right. And my older son didn't really get anything much from school. Oh, so I had some workbooks at home already, and he looked through them all, and we made some piles of things that he said he'd be happy to go through, and we got a reading book out. So we kind of prepared ourselves over the weekend. But what I've found most helpful is is a routine. So we're waking up at mm. a normal time. We're having breakfast. We're getting dressed. And then they're doing pee with Joe Wick on the <laughs> YouTube. Good old Joe. And then we've gone, okay, well, what do you need to do? And I've looked at the timetable. Um, the school computer system hasn't been working that well for my younger son. So I've just gone, here's some spelling. Um, let's make a poem with them. And he's been doing that. He's been practicing his clarinet. My older son's done what he set out to do, his little workbooks. And then we're having a break and then they're doing a little bit more and then we're having lunch. And then in the afternoon, they're doing something that's a bit more fun. On the first day, they sat in front of each other and did a portrait of each other. (laughs) Sweet. (laughs) And then today, one of them made a poster with 10 electrical items in it because he was in science, they've been learning about electrical circuits. And then that, and then I, I've said that's enough. I think the other thing we've done is try and get a lot of fresh air. We're really lucky because the sun's shining at the moment. Mm, takes the pressure um, off. I'm it? not putting any news on. I've realised that putting the news on depresses me and frightens them. So I've, no I news. put the news on. No news. And then we're doing, um, at mealtimes, we're doing kind of, family chats so my parents are in London my sister's in London and my brother and his family and so we're doing kind of group FaceTime so so we can all see each other and have a chat and so there's communication you feel like you're seeing people and then the other thing that we're doing we're trying to do a different board game each day Mm. (laughs) good for strategy um yeah, because I just think otherwise things just get boring. And we've got loads and loads of games. So I said, let's let's do a different one each day and see which ones we like. So a bit of formal learning in the morning, fun and flexibility in the afternoon, and some board games and some communication with the outside world. Yeah, yeah. So one of your children are year six then, so they're going to be going on to senior yeah. school. Do you have any concerns yeah. about whether they're going to be where they need to be for that transition? Not really. <laughs> uh, I, I think really at school they were just going to be concentrating on SATs and then after the SATs they weren't really going to do a huge amount. So it was a lot of kind of winding things up and trying to like celebrate their year six and that they come to the end of primary school. So it's quite sad that they're missing that side of it but I think that they'll adapt them and I'm so amazed by how flexible the children are being and how adaptable they are that I I'm not worrying about it now because mm. I just think he'll be okay brilliant I, I did start to worry about it at the, I was very worried about it in the beginning because I was think I was going to get enough out of this and then I just thought you know what you've got to cut yourself some slack we didn't plan for this I never thought that I'd be a great homeschooler but I just think well we had one day when nothing was working and I just went oh well never mind just we'll try again tomorrow yeah that's so Um, good yeah and and also I think the other thing was I thought we're never this is like a gift we're never going to have this time again Mm. 
and um, I want to enjoy it. I mean, there's terrible, horrible stories and horrible things going on. But while we're safe in our own home and we're all together and everybody's okay, except my husband, but he's getting better, (laughs) you know, while while we're all okay, let's let's enjoy this time. I want us to look back and go, actually, that was quite a nice family time that we spent together. What a great way to look at it. What will we look back on? I so enjoyed chatting with Louise, her husband, a doctor who's been taken out of the health service and upstairs isolating and two kids downstairs doing home ed, another mum juggling her way through this. So, Catherine, tell me how it's going for you guys on lockdown. It's actually not going too badly for us. Once the government asked us to go on lockdown, I felt that our boundaries were much clearer, even though it sort of shrunk our world down. Less ambiguous. Yes. Tell me the ages of your children who are trying to learn from home. I've got two out of three children at home with me at the moment. My youngest son is um, A-level year, so he is just in the process of processing the information that he's been given from school and the school are trying to process the information they've been given from the government. So he is trying to carry on doing his revision, but it's definitely left him in a place of uncertainty and he's anxious about maybe what the university may want from them, even though the government will have guidelines on how the A-levels are going to be marked. And tell me, what's the structure that you're using at home with him? We actually, as a family, um, and we sat down on Monday, actually, to, to talk about how it's going to look for our family during this period of time in lockdown. So we talked about the running of the home, sort of what time people may feel would be a good time to get up. Also, we talked about um, the domestic chores and um, food rotor, whether we're grazing or whether we're going to have set meals. So we put everything on the table and from that we felt that Monday to Friday would be more of a sort of a set rhythm that everybody would be up by nine if not before and that we would have our evening meal at 6.30 together. There obviously is flexibility there. An example being it was my son's friend's 18th birthday last night. So they had a virtual party on one of these apps where you can all join Um, and they had a quiz online and, and he stayed up late so this morning I, I didn't wake him, but he, he actually got up at 9.30. So we're not being completely rigid and we are feeling our way with this. And within the day also, he will be sitting down to do some work, some studying, some revisions and past papers. How's he finding that, the flow of sort of work and lessons and everything that he feels he needs to do? Well, he's not having to, like some of them, log in and um, follow a particular structure, but he seems to be quite happy at going and sitting down and doing past math papers and looking at um, online teachings uh, regarding his other subjects. So it's pretty much as it might have been during study leave? Yes, I would say it is. I would say that I I noticed that there isn't such a focus or drive that would have been there if he was studying for his A-levels to sit an exam. So it's sort of cut his impetus a bit? Yes, and I think he's just trying to process the bigger picture, which we all are, Mm, mm. um, while also trying to focus on what he needs to do. Yeah, big questions for him. Do you think you'll gather again as a family at the end of the week and and review how it went? Oh, definitely. Um, I think... We recognise that it's it's up for a constant review, um, so at least weekly and uh, and also on a daily basis, there may be 
things that have come up that um, sort of change how we might have planned our day. And you've got a university age student, haven't you? How's she coping? Yes, so for our daughter, again, she's having to process this sudden halt in what her rhythm was at university. The challenge for her has been that she's not going to see her friends for a period of time, that she wasn't expecting it to end quite so suddenly. So this would have been her second year she's in, and that is now finished. She's planning on doing a year in industry, and so she's not going to see a lot of these friends for a long time in, in, in that group setting. Yes. And I think that has taken a bit of time for her to process and have to grieve that loss. And if you have a child who is doing a gap year in year three, you know that even when you do come back in year four, you're not going to have the year three students that you would have done. So you prepare yourself, don't you, for some big goodbyes at the end of year two. And presumably all of that's just come right off the table. That, that's exactly right. And they were meant to have a ball. And um, not surprisingly, that got cancelled. But for them, they were still quite in their uni bubble. And I think that was really hard for them. Yes, of course, that's it, isn't it? Some of them didn't really journey the whole kind of transition as we were. And it's come as quite a sudden shock to them, hasn't it? Uh, yes, it definitely it definitely has. I think I've noticed that particularly with the university students mm. when I hear from other friends. And do you find yourself sort of holding in both hands on the one side, this is real, this is big, this matters for us to sort of protect our community, but on the other hand, empathetically, actually there's a lot of loss in the mix there. Absolutely, and I think that's um, for everybody on all different levels. It's a tough time, isn't it, for all age groups? I think some of them who were coming up to year six at school, end of uni or finishing up their A-levels and have possibly been in the same school since they were four are getting no goodbyes. And uh, it's so sudden, isn't it? It is. Um, so again, our son had their last assembly last Friday and usually they would have a leavers assembly and a prom and all these things have been taken away from mm. them and there's a sort of sense of disbelief in what's, what's been happening or the impact, even though rightly these things, due to the circumstances, have to happen. I think it's just taking time to acknowledge that difficult process that they have to let go of these these mm. things and it won't look the same as it has done for other year groups. Mm. There's an expectation there. So in mm. summary, it sounds as though yours are still applying themselves, they've set their own schedules, you've put that in the context of a family schedule and allowing for a bit of latitude for the adjustment of all the sort of shock and changes, they're pretty much on track. Yes, I think they are. I think they're doing actually extremely well, all things considered. Gosh, well done, well done. Not easy <laughs> times at all. <laughs> No, but we are only on is it day, day two of lockdown. Yeah. I'll, I'll come back to you again in three weeks. <laughs> Always enjoy chatting to my friend Catherine. That was insightful on all different levels from three different mums. And now for one of my favourite parts of the show. As you know, this is called the Courageous Mama podcast. So each week I'm going to ask someone, what's a courageous thing that you've done as a parent? And this week, I'm asking my friend, Karis. Do you know what? I think for me, the first thing that comes to mind is um, is actually is not working, is giving up work to mm. be at home. That um, That's quite a big deal because I felt like I lost 
I had to lay down a part of myself, part of who I was, mm. um, in order to to be here with them and invest into them, which 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 for us as a family felt like the right thing to do. But it has been it's been a big deal. <laughs> it's yes. been a big challenge financially. It's been a big challenge. Yeah, emotionally and identity wise. So that probably was um, one of the most courageous things I think um, for me. Brilliant. That That's a great answer. I love it. A big leap of um, courage there and not easy. I loved that answer. I loved the honesty and the acknowledgement that so much of our everyday as parents requires courage. So finally, thank you for joining me today. I hope you found something in there that will encourage you or spur you on. I always love hearing your feedback and so enjoyed hearing from a few of you after last week's first podcast. I'm easy to find either on Instagram at The Courageous Mama or by email madelinestanny at icloud.com. Love to hear your feedback. Love to hear what encouraged you. And if something did, please feel free to pass it on and encourage another parent. See you next week.